Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. They're wondering what's happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can tell when something starts to shift. The ark starting to move. It's been braced in place for a hundred years while it was being built. Now it's starting to move. It was freed from from the that those joints that were holding it up. Praise God. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Anyway, verse 16, and they that went in, went in male, female, all flesh, God, just God commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut the door. The Lord did it. No small event. God is telling you every detail of what happened. He's telling every single detail. And God preserved Noah and his family inside that ark. Think about it. We will be preserved in heaven while all hell is unleashed on this earth. While the entire destruction of this earth takes place, you can read about it in the book of Revelation, the old heaven and the old earth are passed away. And then a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And the new heaven, the new earth is formed just like it was in Noah's day. Amen? The verse tells us that safety comes from the Lord. The seal was set by the Lord. He puts his seal of safety on us, on every believer, when we decide to follow him. Verse 17, And the flood was forty days upon the earth. The waters increased and carried up the ark. It was lifted up from the earth. The flood of waters is described as a global flood. Universal terms, all flesh, everything, are used 30 times in describing this flood. The double superlatives, every living thing of all flesh, all the high hills under the whole heaven, they clearly indicate that the author intended to state an unmistakable fact was happening. The Hebrew word, mabul, means deluge. Deluge describes only this flood. It's the only time it's used to describe this flood. The New Testament word, cataclysmos, where we get the word cataclysm in 2 Peter 3, 3, 7, uh, the depths of the flood, the duration of the flood indicate it was not just a local flood. The size of the ark, 95, over 95,000 square feet of deck space, its gross tonnage indicates the magnitude of the flood. To be able to lift that thing up. God's promise in chapter 9, verse 11, that he would never again, never again send such a flood upon the earth also confirms the uniqueness of this flood. Our Lord Jesus referred to it when he was preaching as well. So it is a historical fact that everybody knew. It's a historical, biblical fact that Jesus talked about. So either he's a liar or he's telling the truth. You choose. This is an example of the worldwide judgment to accompany his second coming. Matthew 24, verse 37 to 44. The conclusion of all this is inescapable. The universal flood is presented as a historical, biblical fact by Jesus himself. 
As the rain came, the water rose, the, it lifted the ark upward. It seemed as rain 40 days and 40 nights. Next few verses, you'll see that the water did not immediately just disappear. Verse 18, the waters prevailed. They were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went up upon the face of the waters. The waters prevailed, were increased greatly on the earth. Still, they became greater and more powerful and carried up the ark in order to cast down houses, trees, everything. By the continual rains that fell, though perhaps they were you know, not so violent as before, the constant eruptions of the water out of the earth were still bubbling up, right? These were creating like little mini tidal waves. I mean, it would have destroyed everything on the earth. And then the ark went upon the face of the water. It floated up upon them, just gently, easily being raised with them. If there were currents carrying, the, the boat just went with them. Right, there were no storms of winds or tempests raging. You know, would could endanger or tip the boat over. No, if if much of the water came from volcanic activity, if earthquakes accompanied the breaking forth, you know, there could have been tidal waves as a result. But anyone who knows, if you're out in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, and an earthquake results that ends up as a tsunami, a tidal wave hitting a beach, you're just kind of up. And back down, you know, just a, a you, you notice the big wave, but you're just riding on top of it. That's what the ark was doing. It was very, very, it was very, really a very stable platform, okay? But it would destroy all the remains of the old civilization as well as providing safety for Noah and his family. The, the, the way the ark was built, the dimensions, these specialists and experts say it would have been almost impossible to upset and overturn. Verse 19, the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. All the high hills. That describes the extent of the flood as being global. All means everything. Lest there be any doubt, Moses also adds, under the heavens. That's 2 Peter 3, verse 5 through 7. There are over 270 flood stories in different cultures all across the face of this planet all of which talk about one global flooding event. They all talk about it. Now, if you just said it was just this culture, that's the only one, you could doubt it. But every culture, even those that never interacted with each other before, all have a story about one global flooding event in their culture. It happened. It happened. Verse 20, 15 cubits upward. Right? We understand by this that the mountaintops were covered and the ark was floating above it all. Verse 20, 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. The water level was about 22, 23 feet higher than the highest mountain peaks. Now, let's talk about that. We know that the uh, ark floated above the peaks, but that would include the highest peaks in the area, okay, which about 17,000 feet, okay, in that area. But the depth further proves it's just not a local flood, but a global one. Verse 21, all flesh died that moved upon the, the earth. Birds, cattle, beasts, every creepy thing that creeps upon the earth, and every man. All the men, all the women, all the children, they that were in the world, except those in the ark, died. The resulting death of all by drowning is what's recounted here. Verse 22, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. 
and all that was in the dry land died. All whose nostrils, in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. This statement refers solely to mankind, whose higher life is exclusively expressed by the phrase, the breath of life, Genesis 2-7. It affirms the entire death of all of mankind except Noah and his family. The breath of life was God breathed into man. And it says everyone who had that God's breath of life died except Noah and his family. Verse 23, every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground. Both man, cattle, creeping things, birds of the air, they were destroyed from off the earth. Only Noah remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. So the sum total of animal, vegetable life, with the exception of that which was in the ark, is here declared to be over, extinguished, gone. Here again, over and over, we see God making a difference between the lost and those that are saved. Verse 24, And the waters prevailed upon the earth for 150 days. These days included the 40 days and 40 night period of rain. The flood rose to its highest peak in verse, uh, you can read it again in chapter 8, verse 3. It then took over two and a half months before the water receded to reveal the mountain peaks again. And another four and a half months before the dove could find dry land. And then they stayed in the ark still another eight months before they would even leave. Well, Brother Bob, you know, if there is that much water, where did it all go? Very good question. I'm glad you asked that. I don't have time to adequately focus on that in this discussion, but let me quickly give you my understanding of this from what I've studied and taught, you know, read interviews, had interviews and, and studied from other experts. There was one main landmass prior to the flood. You've probably seen maps indicating this, that they try to prove the continental drift theory, right? They have it all put together in one landmass. And according to the Bible, there were not very many huge mountain ranges like we have today. Okay, There were high hills called mountains for sure. But since it had never rained, and the Bible clearly says a mist came up from the ground to give water to plants, etc., you, you can accurately say then there was water reservoirs under the ground. In fact, since verse 11 says the fountains of the deep were opened, we can understand these reservoirs simply emptied themselves out on the ground. And we covered how through the volcanic activity taking place, sending debris up into the air and all that, penetrating the water canopy vapor, allowing all that water to fall. That was a lot of activity going on, volcanic activity, which contributed growing mountains and splitting the continents apart. The underground reservoirs emptying themselves. This meant that where the reservoirs were were now huge caverns. That As the water would recede back, it fill those caverns back up, and it took you know uh, a little while to do that. So there is adequate space to receive back all of the water that the Lord had sent forth. But I want you to see something here as we get ready to close. This time was a time of security for Noah and his family. They didn't have to worry about what was happening outside. They were secure where they were at. When we look back at Noah and the flood, we can see symbolisms of this today. First, sin prevailed just as it does in our time. Wickedness, immorality, violence were everywhere in Noah's days, just like they are in our time. Second, Noah found favor in God's sight, just as true Christians have found favor with God in today's world. Third, 
God provided a way out for Noah, just as he does for Christians today through Jesus Christ. Fourth, Noah was safe as the world was going through tribulation. We also, according to the word, will be safe in Christ as this world goes through tribulation. Fifth, God called Noah to come into his ark. Jesus will blow a trumpet call for us to come meet him in the air. Praise God. It's called the rapture, the catching away of the church. Hallelujah. Sixth, Noah knows rest and security in the ark. We will know peace and rest with Jesus Christ. Seventh, we see Noah return to the earth. And we'll study that next time. He comes out of the ark and everything is just as it was in the garden, basically. It's, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's probably muddy and yucky and all that. But the trees are coming. Everything is starting to be as it was before. That's what it'll be like when Christians return to the earth as well. Praise the Lord. When we come back with Jesus, oh, the Bible is very clear. A new heaven and a new earth. Hallelujah. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Praise God. The historic study of Noah and the ark, that should give Christians great joy today. Amen. We don't have nothing to be scared of. You know, oh, what are we going to do? This world's falling apart. What are we going to do? Oh, my God. I'm like, read the Bible. We win. Amen. If, you, if what you're seeing on the news every single night worries you, then you need to get saved. Praise God. So the question I leave for you today. If you saw Noah building an ark in his day, would you have believed him when he told you why he was building it? Would you have thought he was crazy? What do you say when someone tells you, when I tell you, time's running out for mankind today. Time is running out. There is soon coming a day when everyone who believes in and assisted in preparing the ark. How can I say this, Lord? will be called inside for protection. In Noah's day, it only consisted of his family. Noah probably had friends and neighbors that he talked to and interacted with, but they didn't believe him, or they would have worked with him. And if they would have labored with him, they could have been blessed by God also and kept safe. But they didn't. In our day, only true believers, only true believers will take the time to come inside from the tribulations. Those who profess Christ but never helped will be just like Noah's neighbors. Just like Noah. They were committed to helping him prepare a way to save the world. I'm sorry, they were not committed to helping him prepare a way to save the world. Just like there are so-called believers today who are not committed to helping that as well. Our churches today are full of people who say they believe, but they never, ever raise a finger to help God in preparing Jesus, to help Jesus save the world. All I can say is, that's all the time we have for today. Till next time, it's Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. 
That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.